Hello you. Welcome to another episode of Actors Making It. My name is Danny Barton and this is the podcast where I have conversations with actors and artists about their journey to making it in whatever way making it means to them. This week's guest has experienced the roller coaster that is being an actor. He has had some high highs and some low lows. Tim Pocock's very first film was as young Cyclops in X-Men Origins Wolverine. I've spoke recently with past guest Rachel Baker about freelancing and mentioned my move to this in last week's intro. In this episode, Tim talks about how he landed his first major role as Scott Summers in X-Men Origins without an agent. I hope you enjoy this week's conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Tim. Yay! Over the last couple of years, self-tapes have become the thing. And you know what else has become the thing? Trying to find a reader. Especially during lockdowns, it's not that easy. But you know what? There is a really cool platform called We Audition that you can use. It is a video chat community where you can audition, self-tape, rehearse, and get industry advice from actors all over the world. You can find a scene partner to self-tape, You can earn money as a reader for other actors, which, frankly, I have been doing over the last couple of weeks. I've basically paid my membership back for for two years already. You can audition, you can take generals on video chat, and you can get advice, as I said, from industry professionals. With the Actors Making It promo code, making it, you can get 25% off your membership. You can either pay by the month or get a further discount by paying for a year's membership. You can go to www.weaudition.com and use the promo code making it to get 25% off. Mr. Pocock, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Much appreciated. (laughs) How has your week been? Uh, This week has been kind of hectic. I was in Melbourne last week rehearsing for a film that I'm about to do that I go to Melbourne for next week. And then this week I had to come back from my regular day job and uh, pack up my apartment because I'm moving. So a lot happening all at once, but it's good. I prefer to be busy, especially after how much... We did nothing in the last couple of years. Yeah, so. I can definitely uh, empathise with that. That's for sure. Uh, so rehearsing for a for a film, hey, that must be exciting to be kind of back um, in that energy and whatever of being around other actors and working on something. Absolutely. I was actually chatting to a mate yesterday who um, he's an actor and also a singer. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, how, how you have your sort of regular pay the bill day jobs, but, you know, it's all there to make your dreams come true at the end of the day. And um, we were both just saying he just got featured on a on a song, so he hasn't done anything like that in a little bit of time. And obviously I'm about to go do this film. We were just talking about how, like, you have to put your head down, you have to hustle and you have to tell yourself that these day jobs, you don't, you know, particularly want to have but obviously you're grateful for them um how they you know you just have to get it done but then you get to do what you're passionate about and you just suddenly are like oh I remember what it feels like to be me <laughs> so it was great to be back in the rehearsal room and kind of be surrounded by other creatives and get to kind of talk about characters and scenes and character arcs and direction and just kind of get jazzed up and excited about something again um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also very nervous, but I'm also like, I'm looking forward to it. Can you talk about much about what the film's about or? Hmm. 
did sign an NDA. So I think I probably have to be a bit sparse, but it is a horror movie. Okay. It's a horror drama. Um, and it is uh, somewhat based on a true story that did take place in Australia, which is kind of when you see the content of the film, when it does come out, I think everyone will be quite shocked that something like this actually did happen um, as recently as in the 90s in in, in our country or in any country, really. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's going to be, for me personally, as a, as a character, it's going to be super confronting, um, probably the biggest acting challenge of my career so far which is also very exciting and also why I'm so nervous. Um, but I think, uh, I think it really could go places. Obviously, you never know in the, in the industry, but I'm cautiously optimistic about this one. It feels really good. The team are very exciting. Um, they've done quite a bit of stuff lately that they've been getting some, some uh, recognition for. So, yeah, we'll see. Ask me in a week and a half when I've started shooting and I'll tell you if it's an entirely different story. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about your time on set when you come back and whether or not you felt... Uh, not, I was, was going to say whether you felt comfortable. Obviously, you'll feel something, but how you kind of felt getting into the into it. I won't, I won't delve too much into what um, characters or anything like that you're playing because if it's a horror, obviously, we don't, you don't want to give too much away for anyone that sees it later. I don't want to give away that M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, look, obviously I'm really keen to hear about your acting journey and what it is that you've, I guess, been through to get where you are now. Um, what attracted you to kind of try and forge your career in this crazy, insane industry? I don't know. Because <laughs> who want this? Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, it's weird. Um, I grew up kind of all over the place. I was born in South Africa and moved to Australia very briefly. And then we moved to Ireland and um, I was also adopted. So I'm not particularly similar to my parents, not just, you know, in appearance, but also in personality and, you know, abilities and things like that. Um, so I think uh, I was a bit of an unknown entity for them. But when we were living in Ireland, um, I was like about six years old at the time, and we just did a little school play, and it was uh, called Bart and the Beanstalk because this was like the very early 90s, so it was when The Simpsons was really starting to take off. And it was, uh, you know, a little play on Jack and the Beanstalk, but through the lens of The Simpsons characters, and I was cast as Marge Simpson which was uh, hilarious. Um, never acted. Yeah, well, exactly. I've got the hair for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It was just one of these things where I'd always been a very shy kid. Um, and then we did it and it just kind of felt right. It felt natural. I remember thinking like, this just makes sense. Um, you know, as a six-year-old to have a feeling of like, this is who I am as a person. Um, it was kind of, I guess, the first time I'd ever really felt that. Um, and then when we moved back to Australia, I sort of fell into singing, uh, which led to me auditioning for The Sound of Music, and I got cast in that. And then based off of that, an opera scout came, um, asked me to audition for the Australian Opera Company, and then next thing you know, I was a 10-year-old on the Sydney Opera House stage. And, again, it just felt it felt like it was what I was meant to do. It just felt, as much as I was grateful to have the experience and the opportunities, I 
it, I was just like, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. This makes sense. Yeah. Um, there is something the- about performing. I do, I do think that there is something about performing that when you do get the opportunity, if it is your calling, I suppose, that there is a feeling that you have that is, this feels right. This is what I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a sense of like euphoria or, um, uh, it's particular achievement even it just was kind of like yep okay makes sense um but yeah like the music stuff you know set, came fairly naturally to me because I've been playing piano since I was three and um was always singing around the house and stuff so it was while I was doing the opera that I I started to really fall in love with more of the acting rather than the music side of things music's a huge part of my life still um I mean just look at my gram I've got so many videos of me playing piano and stuff on there. But um, yeah, I really, because I didn't need to concentrate as much on the music, I was able every night that I was on stage for all those years, I would really concentrate on the acting and like really trying to figure out my character and how to best express what he was going through in that time and get it across to the audience and things like that. So yeah, just, as I said, it just made complete and total sense. And once I, once my voice changed and I couldn't sing opera anymore, I was just like hell bent on, on wanting to do more acting. And that's when I really started to fall in love with film, um, obviously TV as well, but you know, um, TV wasn't quite where it is today back then, um, in the nineties. Uh, so, you know, my focus was definitely on film, watching a lot of old classic movies and stuff, you know, Hitchcock, things like that. And, um, really falling in love with the art form of movies and the storytelling. And I just wanted to completely immerse myself career-wise and for the rest of my life in doing just that. Wow. Okay. How did your um, family kind of react to you wanting to move into acting and that being your passion and where you wanted to spend your life? Uh, they didn't take it seriously. <laughs> okay. Um, they, it was very much like, a, oh, yeah, that's just a pipe dream. Everyone wants to be a movie star, but, like, get real kind of thing. But I was just like, nah, it, that's what I want to do. And I felt like the fact that I'd, you know, been so lucky to have performed, you know, at the Sydney Opera House for so many years on such a recognised stage and such high-profile productions, um, I thought, no, I, I think I've got enough cred behind me at this point to say that I'm not shooting aimlessly at the stars I have enough behind me to kind of go yeah you could probably make this work but I also just had this really weird self-belief of like it will happen it will be hard but it'll happen one day so I was like I just need to put my head down and do it so I also knew especially you know when I mentioned before with adoption and stuff I always just had this feeling of like oh they just don't get me (laughs) and that's fine that's totally fine. So I was just like, they just don't get me. So like, I don't expect them to understand. I don't expect them to fully support it given, you know, who they were as people and how they were raised and what lives they lived. I'm like, of course, what I'm going for seems like such an out of this world kind of a thing. But I was like, just because it's out of this world doesn't mean that it's not attainable because there are people that do do it and they started something. We watch them on our screens all the time. People that you know, they all, everybody started somewhere. Um, Okay, cool. So if you, I guess, obviously having that unwavering um, confidence and belief that that it'll happen eventually, um, I think every every actor needs to have that. And if you don't have that, then you're probably in the wrong, um, probably in the wrong profession. Um, Hmm. And if you think 
or if you're under the illusion that that's going to happen immediately, you're definitely in the wrong, wrong profession. Um, so if you think back to when you were a kid or a teenager or when at whatever age you were and you were like, yep, I'm going to do it. My parents think this is a ridiculous idea, but who cares? I know I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it. At that point in your life, what was your idea of making it? Uh, well, when I was uh, probably around like 16, 17, I told my uh, English teacher at school that one day I was going to be at the Academy Awards and I was going to win for best writing, best director, best producer, uh, best actor, all for the same movie. I was going to write it, produce it, direct it, star in it and write the music for it. I was going to do the whole shebang. Um, that's quite lofty. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't done that yet. And uh, there's a lot of work involved in that. You are um, still young. It's still possible. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm only uh, years old. So um, got plenty of time ahead of me. Um, but yeah, I think obviously that changes when you're a kid. I think things do kind of get a little out of control, but I also do actually really like having that as a goal because yeah. I do enjoy all of those different aspects. I like to write. I have always wanted to direct um, this film that I'm about to go do in Melbourne. I am actually an executive producer on. So I'm starting to sort of get some of those sort of credits lined up as well. And I do write music and, and all of that. So they're things that I can realistically do. Obviously the amount of work involved is huge. And that's not, that's something that I really only learned when I started to work professionally in the industry. Um, when you really see how much, work goes into every single minute detail and aspect of the filmmaking process I was like okay so I'm it's that's going to be a ways off but I'm okay with that um having this career having this passion it's all about patience so I can I can wait until it all falls in line so if that was your goal then when you first started out or even not not your goal if that was your idea of making it uh, but it's still a goal what is your idea of making it now at this point in your career? Uh, I would say for me now, um, I'd like for the roller coaster to be just a bit more of a flat track. Okay. Um, because, you know, I've, I've been very lucky in some of the projects that I've been able to work on. I've been very blessed to have done some really big things. I've done some things that I will never speak about. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> done films that will never see the light of day and I'm okay with that um I did a commercial that is on YouTube but no one will ever be able to find it and I will never let anyone find it because it's the most embarrassing thing in the world um but you know then you have a big hit moment and then you'll go for three four years with nothing and then you'll have another big hit moment and then three four years of nothing and as I said you have to get yourself a part-time job you have to find something that will support that passion and support you while you are doggedly going after the career choice that you've made. Um, but, you know, at my age now and after having so many of these, I'm, I'm, I think I would be quite content if I didn't win an Oscar for all of those things, but at the very least kind of just worked progressively enough that 
I, you know, maybe don't have to have the part-time job that I'm not so in love with anymore. And maybe am not going to have a year or so where I'm kind of running out of food by the end of the week and going, well, just not going to eat for the rest of the week. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, starvation is a diet, so. It is, yep. So what is it, um, what is the side hustle at the moment that keeps you in food for a week? Uh, at the moment, I'm working in fitness. So I'm just working like front of house, that kind of thing. But I enjoy that kind of environment. It's very motivating. It's um, very high energy. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone that works there, for the most part, they have like quite extreme passions of their own. So I feel like I'm surrounded by very like-minded people um, in that environment. And, you know, fitness is something that I'm quite passionate about too. So it feels like it's right. You know, I also worked at a cinema for a while a few years ago. Really love that as well because I do love movies and it's obviously the industry I always wanted to get into. So I really enjoyed like, you know, we'd have an opening weekend of a Harry Potter or something. Um, I would really enjoy seeing the crowds of people come in, you know, 500 people in a cinema just having a blast watching a movie that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people's work went into making for the sheer reason that these people get to sit down for two hours and have some fun like I, I just really enjoyed that and I was just like one day I'm going to be one of those people you know um you will be well you will be and you have been so. yes that is true actually one of my favorite stories was when I did um when I did uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine I was working at the cinema complex at the time and um, I got cast. It was a very kind of whirlwind casting experience. I think there was like a week between me finding out about the audition and me being on set for the first night. Yeah. Um, so it was very quick um, and it was also super secret. I wasn't being told what I was auditioning for or what character I was playing. The script was all coded. And then I got cast and I had to take some time off work, but I wasn't allowed to tell them why because I'd had to sign an NDA for it. So I took a bit of time off work and then finished filming, went back to work at the cinema. Six months later, they were doing reshoots in Canada. I got flown to Canada for a month, had to take time off again, came back, went back to work at the cinema, still couldn't tell anyone what I was doing. And then like a couple of months later, the poster for the movie came out and uh, myself and a couple of my coworkers were, you know, putting all the new posters out and we started to roll this one out and I was on the poster. I didn't know I was going to be on the poster. I never posed for any photo. That was literally just a, a, like a random stock shot that they'd taken while we were on set one day. So I had no idea. And so finally I just kind of like pointed to the poster. I was like, Hey, so remember I like went missing for two months. I'm like, this is, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> and then best joke of my life. I stood next to the poster and I was like, I'm so happy right now. I'm beside myself. That is a, that is, yeah. That's the fucking worst stat joke I've ever heard in my life. You're welcome. Well done. <laughs> Don't give up your day job of drama, drama for stand-up. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's probably better if people write stuff for me, hey? I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, seeing as though you brought that up, this is a... The other part of this story is really interesting, I think, um, which I'd love for you to kind of talk about. So X-Men Origins Wolverine was your first real acting gig, right? Yeah, pretty much. Talk to me or tell the audience how that came about in the first place. Um, so I'd been around. I'd but you didn't school. have an agent at this point. 
So for the, for those um, listening, yeah, I'd sort of I'd sort of just just started getting myself an agent at that point. But prior to that, I'd done a bunch of courses, I had a bunch of classes, workshops, and obviously nothing in the arts is covered by the government's help debt. So you have to pay up front. So you just have to work really hard and pay for all of your courses up front. Um, so yeah, and then you finish these courses and you send out your headshots, you send out your show reels, you do all the things and no one replies or they just send it right back to you or they say, sorry, our books aren't open. So no agents were seeing me. They were all just like, yeah, nah, thanks, pass, or thank you for the interest, but like, no. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of sitting around being like, well, what's a guy to do? And then there was this TV series that was being filmed in Melbourne uh, that Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg were producing. It was called The Pacific, and it was a follow-up to The Band of Brothers, which was an immensely huge uh, HBO series. So it was a massive opportunity. And obviously it was pretty much all male cast, all young male cast. And I knew it was happening. And I was like, I'm here, I'm passionate, I, I'm ready to go, but I don't have an agent. I don't have a way of getting in to see this. So went online, paid an exorbitant amount of money to join some like online forum so I could figure out who was actually casting it, found out their address, and then literally sent them my headshot and my showreel in the mail every single day <laughs> for two weeks. And then I would call the day after I'd send it, I would call up and I would speak to the assistant. I'd be like, hey, this is Tim Pocock here. I uh, sent my headshot and my, my showreel on DVD. Um, just wanted to make sure it, it arrived okay. So I was just like constantly kind of bugging them with it. And eventually I wore them down because they were like, you know what, fine, come on in. We'll have a meeting with you. Just kind of see what you're all about. So I came in, had a meeting, met with the casting associate, he then said, you know what, come back tomorrow. He gave me a scene and he said, let's just see what you can do. Uh, long story short, I ended up having 12 callbacks and I ended up having a screen test with the network and the producers. So I get into a room and there's all these people, like things like eight people all just sitting there watching me. And I was going for like the lead role. Um, didn't have an agent, didn't have anyone representing me. Um, and yeah, I did the scene and then I walked out and the casting director came running after me and she gave me this big hug and just said that she was proud of the work that I'd done and all of that. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I'm not getting this. <laughs> I'm not getting this, this TV show. I don't think she would have come and given me that hug and been so supportive if it was like a done deal kind of thing. So, but I felt really proud of, of where I'd gotten. And then a couple of months later, same casting director was casting X-Men was filming in Sydney I'd been able to get some interest from agents because of how far I'd gotten in the casting process for the other show so I was chatting to a couple of uh of agencies and then this one agency had actually just gotten me a role in a uh a commercial a car commercial so I was like I'll probably just go with them then because they got me that audition I booked it sure whatever and then, yeah, that casting director called them up and was like, um, we want to see Tim for this mystery project. And then, boom, it, it, it happened. As I said, like seven days later, I was on set at 3 a.m. with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. So it all happened like that. Um, but literally was just because like, <laughs> I was like, I'm kicking down doors. I'm not taking no friends. <laughs> and I think that's, um, I think that's something that so many 
actors really need to kind of take into consideration. Now, I guess there's not always loads and loads and loads of things happening in Australia that you get an opportunity to get in for um, necessarily. But I think most people are of the assumption that you have to have an agent if you are going to get in the door for anything. Um, but I also think that so many people are worried about contacting casting directors more than once for fear of like pissing them off and making and then them being like on some kind of blacklist of, of not getting in front of them. But yeah, that sheer determination and I guess not taking no for an answer is something that everybody can learn from to try and get in the door. And you can you can get somewhere if you don't have an agent. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having agents um, definitely makes the job easier because they will find out about things that you don't know about. They're, you know, there to negotiate contracts and make sure that you get paid appropriately and not taken advantage of. Um, and, you know, if you find the right fit with an agent, you know, it can really be amazing for you. Um, but I, it's not the end of the world to not have one because, you know, at the end of the day, even with an agent, you are at the helm of your own career um so you just have to take ownership of it for yourself and yeah be dogged be determined um but always do it with humility um i would say you know one thing you know as much as my parents might not have taken my career seriously they definitely raised me to be a a, a very polite person and and kind of a humble person and i had quite a sheltered upbringing and i think that maybe my naivety in the way that I approached it at the time meant that I never came across as being arrogant or I won't, and, and I wouldn't even say persistent, even though what I did was persistent, I wasn't persistent in the delivery. I just was incredibly passionate. And I think that's what rang through. Like I didn't demand to be seen. I didn't, you know, play the victim and cry the whole like, oh, no agent will see me. Like this is like, this sucks. I was just like, I want this, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make it happen. And it was, you know, even when I got the job at the cinema, um, that's how I got that job too. Cause I needed a part-time job. I was a teenager All teenagers need a part-time job. And I didn't like the idea of working in many places that I saw that were advertising. I wanted to work at the movies. I didn't know if they were hiring. So same thing. I literally just gave them my, my resume like every single week and would call them up and say, did you get my resume until eventually when they were hiring, they were kind of like, Oh, remember that Tim guy that keeps calling, let's bring him in. So I kind of have that approach to a lot of aspects of my life. Amazing. Well, I think everybody should take a, take a leaf out of your book and, and adopt that approach. Um, how old were you when you got the X-Men role? Uh, I would have been 22. 22? Yes, 22. So I was playing 15, but I was 22. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Oh, time flies. It, I feel like that film didn't come out that long ago. <laughs> hey, I'm only 24 now. It was two years ago. Now, <laughs> um, oh, you know, it came out, came out in April of 2009. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God, 2009 is such a long time ago. Yeah, I think, hasn't there been, like, eight... X-Men movies since then. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So X-Men and then because you talked about the roller coaster of get something and then nothing and then get something. How long did you have to wait till your next gig? Well, I didn't work 
between filming X-Men and it coming out, um, I obviously was still at quite an unknown entity at that point and there wasn't really much of a hoopla made about uh, me being in the movie. You know, sometimes you'll see, you know, some Australian actor will get cast in a role in something and everyone's like, oh, you're hitting the big time. There was none of that. I didn't like have a publicist. I wasn't a big deal or anything. So yeah, I just went back to working at the cinemas but when the movie did come out, I went over to Los Angeles to audition um, after I'd seen that my face was literally on the poster. Uh, I was like, oh, this might actually be a bit of a big deal. Up until then, I thought I could probably end up on the cutting room floor. The movie still would have made sense without my character. So I was like, there's every chance that you won't even see me. But I was on the poster. I was like, safe bet. I'm probably going to be in the film. Um, so I went over to LA and literally knew no one. Um, just went over, did the premiere, did the interviews, did that whole kind of thing. And then stayed there for a couple of months, kind of just going, all right, let's see if auditions start to come or offers or whatever. Um, and ironically, as it happened, I did a self-tape audition for a TV series called Dance Academy while I was there. And next thing you know, I was flying back to Australia and signing a contract to be on that show, which I ended up doing for two years. Um, so yeah, and I'm like, that was such an invaluable experience. You know, at the time we talked about before about what our ideas of making it were. Um, I think when I had been doing a bit of acting school and when I booked Wolverine, I had a bit of an arrogant notion of like, well, I'm a superhero, so I'm about to be a Hollywood star. And when Dance Academy came around, um, it was obviously, it was an unknown entity. No one knew what that show was going to be. Um, in fact, my agents at the time, they're no longer my agents, they pitched it to me as um, uh, the Saddle Club with dancing. And the Saddle Club was like a, a kid's show about girls who enjoy riding horses, like, you know, prepubescent girls. So I was expecting it to be like a really young kids TV show. And I, I honestly was just like, oh, I do I go from superhero to like young child's TV series? Like, you know, as I said, it was kind of an arrogant notion where I kind of thought like, oh, I didn't think that this is what I was going to do. Um, and then working on that show, um, I ended up doing a second series as well. Um, I learned so much about acting, about my craft, about how to work like scenes properly because let's be real my stuff in Wolverine wasn't really scene work it was a lot of action stuff a lot of reaction shots but you know not too much dialogue I didn't say too much in that movie I didn't really do scenes per se so I learned so much doing Dance Academy the show ended up being a lot more mature and a lot more profound than it had been pitched to me um, I became incredibly close with the rest of the cast they're still among my best of friends all these years later um and so that was just like incredible and amazing. And then it's one of those things when you're on a TV show, uh, especially in Australia, because it is a smaller industry and stuff, you, then there is a bit of, of notice that you get because you also get to go to some of the industry events. And so you meet a lot of the producers, directors, casting directors and stuff in a more chilled environment um, rather than just in the kind of rolling the camera and action kind of thing. And it's in building those kinds of connections that I think you really start to get somewhere. So for a while there, you know, I sort of went from sort of show to show. At one point I was shooting um, Home and Away and Dance Academy at the same time. Um, and I also like flew to New Zealand to shoot a commercial and then um, did like a guestie on another TV series. So, like, you know, it kind of felt like 
things were like progressing really naturally. Um, and then there was like a solid year and a half of nothing. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at the time as well. So that, that low got particularly low, but then I booked an American TV series. So then we were right up back up the top again. And obviously you have high hopes for that and it, it didn't do so well. So then you go back down to the bottom again. And then after that, I would say that was probably when it really started to become tough because, um, as much as I'm a baby face, I was no longer castable as like the teenager. Um, and, you know, honestly, there's not really that many roles out there for like 21 to 30 because people, when it comes to entertainment, they're either, you know, interested in seeing like the teen struggle or maybe the early, uh, like, you know, the early adult struggle, or then it's like you're in your thirties and you're married and you're dealing with married life and your career and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, then it was kind of hard to kind of for my agents to pitch me for certain things. And I always felt like I was either too old for something or too young for something, or, you know, being in America, I'd moved there at the time. Um, you know, the Hemsworth brothers were, were blowing up. And so people here, Australian, uh, blonde and blue eyed, and they expect a Hemsworth. And then I walk in all of five foot eight. Um, <laughs> And they're like, oh, you're not quite the Australian that we thought you were. <laughs> so with all of those ups and downs and the, um, you know, the time period between gigs and, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the, the gig, although it's a roller coaster between gigs, each thing that you've been involved in has been a big part more often than not right so at least not at least that's the wrong word to use but between there, there might be some lulls but the highs are so high that they are it's not like you're just rocking up and doing a one lot like a 50 word uh, piece in, yeah. in some in some spots so they're pretty high highs which is fantastic what with the breaks between and having to going through whatever personal stuff you're going through having to work in fitness and do the side job that actually helps you eat. How do you, how do you keep motivated to, I guess, keep going mm. so you get that next high? Uh, you have to remind yourself of uh, what you've already achieved. Um, you know, I think that's why it's good to go through adverse times because if you've been through adverse times and then you're going through adverse times again, you can literally say, I've done this before and I got through it. So I know I can do it. Um, I, I do worry sometimes about people that, you know, haven't necessarily struggled maybe to that extent. Um, obviously I don't wish struggle on anybody, but I do worry because it does happen to everybody in some way, shape or form eventually. And I worry that people who haven't necessarily felt that will eventually feel it and not be equipped to handle it. Um, you know, I feel like as much as I can, cry into my pillow at night times that I've become a stronger person because I've had those lulls. And so when they do hit, I'm just like, oh, well, we're, we're here again, which means I'll be back up there again at some point, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, but being lucky enough to have, like you said, such high highs that does, um, it just gives me, I guess, that confidence that like, oh, I've done it before I can do it again. Um, so yeah, you just have to stay self-motivated. I mean, obviously the last couple of years has been 
particularly rough on the whole thing. But again, you know, it's not like that was has any uh, reflection of my ability or my talent or my passion or my drive. Um, you know, everyone in a lot of careers and industries had their lives taken from them or altered in a very significant way because of the pandemic and it's through no fault of their own. Um, so I think, you know, we just have to stay realistic and say, well, I can blame myself for being lazy on that day and not learning my lines well enough for my audition, which is why I didn't book that role. But these last couple of months where there's been no work and we've been in lockdown and all that kind of stuff, that's not any reflection on me. So just pull through it. And once you're able to put your cards on the table, do so. And I think in, if anything, that's made me strive harder um, because, you know, we've, we've had a lot of months now of taken time. So uh, I don't want to waste another second. So any opportunity that comes my way, I'm going to give it my absolute all and make sure that I get everything that I possibly can. What do you, what do you do to keep the muscle warm, the acting muscle warm between gigs? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've been lucky that I, get auditions on a regular enough basis that I get to do scene work in some way, shape or form fairly regularly. Um, and uh, apart from that, I, I haven't actually done workshops or classes in a really long time. And that makes me feel really lazy and I really want to do it. Um, financially, those things are, you know, kind of difficult to do. So, you know, you have to be sensible with where you spend your money and all that kind of thing. Um, I would like to do a few more, but um, honestly, I, I have actors that I really admire and appreciate. Um, and even in just watching their work, I feel like I'm keeping the muscle warm, you know, like I'll watch something with Kate Blanchett in it and I'll just get goosebumps about how amazing she is. And, you know, you study her role and how she performs it and things like that. And, you know, it just gets in your head and you think about it all the time and you go, well, if I played that role, like, like what would my thought process be towards the character? How would I get to that emotional state? Or like, why did she make that choice that she made? Like even just thinking that way about characters and scripts and scenes and that kind of thing, I think is, is enough um to kind of keep your juices flowing um I also I, I do like to write I like to write sort of scenes off the cuff a lot of time where I'll get an idea and then I'll just kind of start typing and then I'll end up finding that I'll stop typing and I'll just start living the scene in my head and that's almost like acting it'll be in the shower I'll be there having this big dramatic monologue to my soap dispenser um <laughs> uh but then um when I was in America, uh, I did have a group of friends that we would get together and we would just shoot scenes every now and then. Um, uh, and we wouldn't watch them back together and critique each other, but we would like take them home and just kind of critique them ourselves, um, which I think is, is probably better because you never want to be, one lesson I learned, you never want to please another person with your performance. Because talk to me about that. Not, well, it's it's not going to be organic or real. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you're just 
if you yourself know what you're going for and you're seeing it in your character in that moment, go for that. Um, because only you know that. Um, I think, was it Jack Nicholson that said uh, he always likes his character to have a secret that no one knows? And I think that's almost like your secret. <laughs> if you know what you're going for, what you're aiming for in a scene and no one else knows that, then you're able to watch that scene back very objectively and say to yourself, okay, did I achieve what I was going for? And if the answer is no, then you know what you need to work on. And if the answer is yes, brilliant. You've done your job. I think that's um, something that I think many people need to, I guess, keep in mind, especially when we're auditioning. Um, and I've had this conversation with friends a lot recently. Um, I guess people that are either starting out or still relatively new and haven't had the success of, I guess, booking too many auditions. I think we put so much weight on pleasing who's look, who's reviewing your self-tape or whatever, or so much weight into doing it, figuring out what is it the casting director wants to see or what is it that yeah. the director wants to see as opposed to doing the scene with any type of authenticity yeah absolutely and and i think when you get stuck in that that's when you become boring yeah um you know casting directors will obviously put out a brief where they will say you know we're looking for xyz um but you need to find those qualities within yourself rather than put those qualities onto you because you'd probably be surprised at how much of those qualities you do have in yourself. You just need to be as honest with yourself as possible so that you can access it and bring it forward rather than putting on the performance. Cause if you, you know, walk in and you're like, Oh, they're looking for this exact thing. And you do that. The other hundred guys that are going for the same role 99 of them are going to do the exact same thing. And so then the casting director is having a really boring day where they're just having similar looking people doing the exact same performance, go in and out, go in and out. And then that one person that's kind of just gone, I'm going to do my own thing, they stick out. Um, and I think like a great analogy for it, it might sound stupid, but there's that huge moment in Pretty Woman when he slaps the necklace uh case down and almost gets a hand and she laughs that was an unscripted moment and everyone fell in love with julia roberts in that moment everyone was like oh my goodness she's amazing she that was an unscripted moment that was just richard gear thinking that they'd called cut and he was just playing a prank and she reacted and that natural authentic version of herself came forward that no one would ever prepare for no one you know she didn't spend an hour doing you know substitution work in her head so that she would get the laugh at the right tonality you do that stuff you're going to do something really boring and staged you know what i mean like so i think just go in be yourself do your natural instincts stop trying to please the other person just do what you find um uh, creatively inspiring to yourself because that's when your passion and your charisma is going to really shine do you have um, a particular method to prepare for an audition or and or to prepare for an actual part for like once you've got the role? Not really, no. Um, I've done a lot of courses, a lot of workshops. I've read, you know, a lot of books, um, a lot, you know, from a lot of the master trainers. 
um, and I've done some of their, you know, workshops and classes and audited and all, all of the stuff. And I think they all have amazing insight to share. And I think there's a lot to be learned by doing all of that. And I'm glad that I did all of that. But all of that to me is just more about making you more elastic so that when you get to a certain script or whatever, um, it can tell you what needs to be done. Um, I don't, you know, if, if, if a painter applied the exact same brush strokes every time that they were painting a picture, then they would just have a million different pictures. Whereas if I'm playing a whole bunch of different roles, like I can't really apply the same technique to each one of them because then I'll just end up doing the exact same thing that I've already done before. Um, so yeah, like sometimes I'll be reading a script and uh, an emotion will just strike me and it won't be in the big print. It won't be a conversation I've had with agents. It won't be any request from the casting director or whatever. It'll just hit me. And if that happens, I don't question it. Just go with it. If I sat down and analysed why that sentence made me upset or made me angry or whatever it was that it made me feel, I'm going to remove any spontaneity from it. I'm going to remove anything that it might actually physically do or vocally do to me. Um, and so I would prefer to just not question those kinds of things, which is scary because then you feel like you're not doing any work. But if you can just tell that by leaving it alone, it will do the work for you. Less is more. And then your performance will come across a lot more grounded and real. Um, but then there's other times where you'll be reading a script and it will say in the big print that the, that the character starts to cry or gets really angry. And you might need to actually do a lot of work to get yourself there because the way that the character is or the way the script is, whatever, maybe you didn't respond organically to it that way. And so in order to get yourself there, you do have to maybe do the Ivana Chubbuck substitution kind of work in order to make yourself feel that way. You're like, oh, this is that bully that teased me in high school, so I'm going to yell at you um, uh, or whatever it is that you need to do to um you know get the right emotion and stuff so yeah it's really like like I said it's all about elasticity it's about kind of arming yourself with as much sort of knowledge and technique so that when you do get the scripts and stuff you kind of can pull from from different you know areas but I always feel like it's it's best when you just get a good organic sense of a character um and their their character arc and in that sense it's almost like going to the gym you know when you uh, when you go to the gym, you do a bicep curl, you are concentrating on that bicep and your form and making sure it's amazing. But then when you go to the cupboard and you pick something heavy off the shelf, you're not going, okay, I need to think about my form and I need to activate this muscle in order to, you know, you don't do that, but that's because you've already done the work beforehand and then the instincts and the nature of it can just kick in. So, yeah. I feel a little bit like a knob for using, uh, like a fitness metaphor, but Hey, Let's go with it. Fitness metaphors work. Um, <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much again for spending some time with me. Anytime. Got some great advice uh, and, and kind of info on what you do that will be really helpful for a lot of actors that are trying to make it at the moment. Oh, I hope so. Um, it's obviously, you know, a difficult industry, but it's a very fulfilling one at the same time. And, you know, I kind of went out and, did it on my own. Um, and I think, you know, if I can, if shy, timid old me can, can get somewhere with it, 
I think anyone can, but also if, if I can pay forward anything that I've learned, um, I'm by no means an expert, but if I can just give someone a helping hand, even if it's just through motivation, then like, that's great. Very much, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day and good luck making it. Thank you. You too. See you later. <laughs>